1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Take it,
2: shoot that, shoot
1: that. Welcome to city game, your Brooklyn Nets podcast on WFAN and radio.com. Here's your host, Steve Lichtenstein. And hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the City Game Podcast, the show for Brooklyn Nets fans. I'm Steve Lichtenstein of WFN.com, and folks, part of me wants to spend the entire show ranting about this team's three-game losing streak, especially Tuesday night's fourth-quarter meltdown in Milwaukee that could cost Brooklyn not only the one seed in the Eastern Conference, but maybe the two seed as well. Brooklyn is one up on the Bucks in the loss column, but you know, Milwaukee now owns the tiebreaker and is a far easier schedule the rest of the way. Not good. But, you know, my theme all season has been that none of these results matter until the playoffs. You know, just get healthy. So I think I'll just stick to that today. Oh, I'll get into all of Steve Nash's missteps. Don't you worry about that. But, you know, the big picture, still the priority here. And the fact remains that the Nets took really good team down to the wire twice while MVP candidate James Harden was on the sidelines nursing his hamstring injury, sporting an outfit that screamed Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band on Sunday. So I'll also be looking to keep it a little light today. And to help me with that, I have a really special treat for you folks. The esteemed Yes Network announcer Michael Grady will be joining me shortly to talk about this strange season. So hopefully that will take some of the sting out of this past week for you folks. And if at the end you liked what you heard, I once again ask that you please subscribe to this podcast on the Odyssey WFAN platform or on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you're downloading this episode. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please feel free to send me some comments in the review section. So, before Tuesday night, my initial plan for this episode was to talk about Kyrie Irving. You know, how he has mostly struggled since observing the holiday of Ramadan, which requires fasting during daylight hours. You know, in the games prior to April 12th, Irving was shooting 51.4% from the floor, including almost 40% from three. Sheer dominance offensively, almost every night, in the 10 games leading up to Tuesday night, his efficiencies took a dive to 43.7% from the field and 30.8% from deep in that stretch. Looking at his game log, I counted at least six really subpar outings in those 10 games, including that game on Sunday where he went 8-for-21 and took a couple of awful hero ball shots in crunch time of a three-point loss. Now, as an old white man, I'm in no position to make any remarks about Kyrie's spiritual journey or how he goes about his personal business. I'm not going there. However, you know, I do think his performance on the court, wondering whether his fasting has been a significant factor, I think that's fair game to talk about. And you know, I've been kind of shocked that my fellow members in the Nets media haven't really addressed it. And you can call me out, it's culpable as well. Because you know this clip with Nash before Tuesday's game was the best I could muster. Hi, Steve. Uh, we hear a lot about the performance team's influence on the overall program. So I was curious, you know, with nutrition falling under the sports the sports science umbrella, uh, how have they been able to manage getting Kyrie prepared during this uh, month of Ramadan?
0: You know, I think they make sure he's, he's well-fueled and uh, working with the parameters that are acceptable for him. And um, so they're definitely providing him support. Uh, I don't know how much more I can come in. You know, they, they provide him with food at every opportunity and, and make sure that, uh, you know, they're in lockstep with what he needs and where he's deficient and how they can help support him. So, of
1: course, Kyrie then went out and played a strong game right afterwards, you know, ruining my take. Put up 38 points with a 56-50-80 shooting split. Yeah, I mean, he took a couple of bad shots, but so did Kevin Durant. And Anyway, how often have we seen all those bad shots go in? A ton, right? So, what the heck do I know? You know, back to the drawing board, I guess. And just like Kyrie. Because there was video posted of him on social media getting up extra shots after Sunday's loss... When he had already logged thirty-seven minutes. I mean you can't say he isn't putting in the work. And I'll also say this for him Irving's defense, which you know we all know can be hit or miss. You know, I'd say Kyrie has been pretty engaged this past week. I'd even go as far to say that, you know, it's often looked like he was expending more energy on the defensive end than on offense. On Tuesday, he came up with three steals and two block shots. I mean, I definitely feel like he wanted these games, but, you know, without Harden, Milwaukee as a team was simply a little bit better than the Nets on those nights. More physical, more connected defensively, and, man, they shot the heck out of the basketball. I mean, if Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to shoot 40% from three on 20 attempts over two games, you know, you're in trouble. Chris Middleton, you know, he's great. He came alive in the fourth quarter on Tuesday, and man, Drew Holiday is a stud. Now, the Nets certainly didn't get enough help from their head coach in Milwaukee. I mean, what in the world was Nash thinking in the fourth quarter? He chooses not to stagger KD and Kyrie, so they're both out at the start of the quarter. Nets fortunately got several quality possessions engineered by Mike James to take a small lead, but the Bucks at that time had four starters on the floor, so... Kinda of knew that would be short lived, and it was. Seven straight bucks points to put them up one with little less than nine minutes left. No Nash does the right thing, call timeout and gets KD back out there. But after the next possession, Nash loses his mind. I mean, in comes Kyrie. In comes Bruce Brown. Mike James? Oh, he stays in, along with Durant and Jeff Green. I mean, what did Nash think would happen? The bucks are long. They're physical. Not exactly the right time to go super small, right? You know, of course the next four bucks possessions are a layup drill. They go up two, up four, up six. All layups. Subs? Time out? Hello? Anyone? Bueller? Nope. Remember, Nash had three timeouts left at that point, and you can only carry two past the two-minute mark. Nash never uses the extra one. The beat goes on. Giannis gets an and-one. Finally, Nash switches gears and goes back to Blake Griffin in the middle. But, you know, when the carnage was finally halted, it was an 18-to-1 run and the damage was done. Great job by City Game podcast regular Christian Winfield of the Daily News for pestering everyone on the Zoom calls about the failure to call timeout. I mean, it's gotten to the point where the yes announcers are basically flabbergasted that Nash keeps letting his guys play through these stretches. Nash's response afterwards? He wanted the guys to, quote, problem solve. What is this, seventh grade? You know, it's okay to talk things over when you see a game changing. That's what the good coaches do. Kyrie hits a corner three to cut the deficit to eight points with 3.20 to go, and Mike Budenholzer called a timeout. When Christian asked Blake Griffin the same question about the lack of timeouts, he said something about, what was the coach going to say, play harder? Well, how about fixing bad matchups? Or tweaking a scheme that the Bucks may have figured out? Or yeah, maybe light a fire under them to get their butts in gear. Try something. You have like ten assistants. Maybe one of them noticed something. Like maybe tell someone to not forget about Dante Divincenzo crashing the glass. Six offensive rebounds for the Buck six foot four guard. Inexcusable. At least that's how Griffin put it in this clip. Hey, like uh, when you mentioned the rebounding, do you attribute to the, that to their great length, or were you disappointed that the team was outworked?
0: Uh, definitely disappointed that we were outworked. I mean, they were more physical than us on both ends of the floor. Um, and, and that can't happen. I mean, we have to match teams' intensity, um, because that's the thing that you can just control. You know, that's a, that's on us. Um, you know, when a team's really long, you know, Brooke and, and Giannis in there and, and, um, you know, getting offensive rebounds is one thing, but, you know, we can't let guards come in and, and um, Affect the game the way they did. I mean, Dante DiVincenzo had six offensive rebounds. I mean, that's uh, that can't happen. Um, so we have to want it more, and we have to be more, more. We have to be the more physical team on both ends of the floor.
1: So yeah, I mean, for Griffin to say that the effort was lacking on certain plays, just kind of staining the obvious. I mean, I can think of more than a handful. I mean, including the final DiVincenzo offensive rebound that just encapsulated the entire evening, bunch of Nets guys standing around while opponent goes after the ball. I clearly remember a couple that DeAndre Jordan could have extended himself more on, and you know, there was the one where KD was caught prematurely leaking out after a Giannis three that bounced right back to him so he could take his time to nail a second chance. Look, I thought Brooklyn overall did a pretty good job on the boards all week until Tuesday. Remember Alize Johnson's 2020 revenge game in Indiana last Thursday? Anyway, you know, only the Pacers surrender more second chance points this season than the Nets. So, you know, it's something to monitor. The Bucks and the Sixers, they're both big physical teams that you're gonna pose problems. Now, the question that remains is whether the Nets are equipped to weather these kinds of issues when Harden returns for the playoffs. And I still think they are. You know, not just because of Harden's innate ability to create offense for himself and others when things bog down, but did you know that the team's best on-court defensive rebounding percentage occurs when Harden is on the court, at least among the regular rotation members? You know His hands and post-defense don't get enough credit. So yeah, things are looking bleak right now. But I I still think a lot of what's wrong can be corrected in time for the playoffs. And on that somewhat high note, let's keep it going by bringing in my very special guest this week, the Nets multi-talented broadcaster on the Yes Network, Michael Grady. Folks, I'm so honored to be joined this week by the truly outstanding broadcaster on Nets Games for the Yes Network, Mr. Master of All Trades himself, Michael Grady, is on the Zoom with me. Michael Thank you so much for giving me some time today.
2: Oh, absolutely, Steve. Good to be on with you.
1: So, Michael, you know, in spite of such a horrible year with the pandemic and all, I can honestly say that seeing you raise your profile with all that you've been doing, it it really puts smiles on the faces of so many Nets fans. I mean, you started out here a few years ago coming from Indianapolis as a sideline reporter. But, you know, we've seen, you know, your, your versatility shine You've literally done it all, you know, studio host, even a couple of games of play-by-play. You know, of course, you know, the two guys in front of you on the Yes Network play-by-play depth chart, you know, the fantastic nationally renowned announcers, Ian Eagle and Ryan Rucco. So my first question to you is about whether you've been like one of those Nets players who watch Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving night in and night out, try to pick up some tips and how they work. So what in particular have you learned from watching those two guys
2: you know, that's a great analogy I, I think um, uh, what those guys would be the first to say um, wh- is that it's very important to be yourself and that's something that I knew you know going in from you know a number of different hats that I've worn over the years um, when I replaced the PA announcer in Indianapolis who had been doing it, for 30, 40 years, uh, the message was be yourself. You know, when I started doing a radio show, you know, the message was be yourself and, and then started getting into TV, be yourself. And so, um, and then stepping in and doing sideline reporting, even though I'd seen a ton of sideline reporters, that, that was the same message, be authentic, be you, be yourself. And, and nothing changed as the opportunity presented itself. And I'm, you know, thankful for everyone at Yes for giving me the opportunities to, you know, uh, expand, show what I could do, learn, get some reps, try to get better every single day. And with those guys specifically, you know, to your question, again, it's it's important to authentically be myself. But, you know, in terms of the preparation, um, in terms of, you know, attention to detail, all those things being polished, um, you know, it, it, it's just a – it's been a godsend to be in this position to be able to learn from those two. And, you know, uh, both have been terrific uh, for me and to me, and it's been an honor to learn and be around them, rub elbows with those guys. You know, I, and I, and, of course a legend, uh, the best of the best. And so you can't help but learn stuff from him. And the same is true for Ryan who's been doing this for a long time is as polished as they come and, um, and a, a, just a, uh, the attention to detail, as far as both is concerned, with the craft and play-by-play and the enthusiasm they bring to the broadcast is great. So uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff is is is, the, is really the stuff that I take to heart. And then when I you know when I step in and to the mic, then it's you, you you people are getting Michael Grady.
1: Yeah, do you use uh, Ryan's chart, or you have your own system?
2: Yeah, I started with uh, I started using an ions chart, and then just slowly, slowly, I I think it's all a part of the process in terms of. The, the facts, figures, numbers, and things that um, that you want to bring to the table, that you want to bring to the broadcast. So what play-by-play guy A finds is the the most, you know, as, as a significant number, stat, fact, whatever it may be, maybe may be a part of their chart, someone else, it may be something else. You have the basics for sure. But then there's little nuggets in how you organize it to where uh, you have a good system in terms of what your eyes are going to gravitate toward, because it's a lot of information on one sheet. So, yes. yeah, it, it's been a it's been a developing uh, process uh, for sure uh, to try to perfect it to my own liking.
1: Yeah. Well, in, in addition to Nets game nights, you're also you know you're hosting the Sirius XM show every now and then. Now you also have this new show on the new Yes app called appreciate you so you know for those who yeah. haven't seen the first few episodes you'll know, tell our listeners you know what the show is about and where you hope to go with it
2: you know i'm i'm, I'm excited about it steve Like, you know i want to see it grow over time and uh i'm really looking forward to uh seeing what it's going to develop into and at the heart of it is just conversations with you know um with Athletes, conversations with people who are um, uh, sports announcers like myself, um, actors, musicians, comedians—just different people from different walks of life—and just asking them, um, you know, different questions about, you know, their upbringing, kind of the story behind the storytellers, if you will. And um, that's something that is uh, important to me because it it, it just shows how multi layered a lot of people are that we may see. Uh, every single day, we may see this particular broadcaster call games, or this particular broadcaster do this, that, or whatever. But what's their everyday life like? What was their journey like? Um, what are some things that they enjoy? What can we laugh about? What TV shows are they watching? Where do they love to eat? Just different, different things to kind of humanize um, uh, different individuals and get to know them on a different level. And so uh, we're, we're starting. The, we started this during the, you know, while we're on in the midst of exiting, hopefully, the pandemic. And um, as time goes on, we want to take the we want to take the show on the road. We want to go out. I want to explore New York more. I want to have conversations at restaurants in different places um, uh, around the city, around Brooklyn. Uh, So I'm looking forward to seeing it grow over time. It's been it's been uh, it's been fun. It's been a challenge too, you know, fitting it in with this crazy net schedule. Um, But I'm excited as uh, time opens up to be able to do a lot more with it. So several episodes already up on the Yes app and more on the way.
1: Very good. I mean, because it leads me into the next question because, you know, Mike, I still think of you, you know, your training as a reporter. And when I talk to, you know, others on the Nets beat, you know, I've often asked them about the difficulties of covering the team this season, given the restrictions due to the pandemic. And I remember, you know, Brian Lewis of The Post telling me last week, you know, that no one should be shedding a tear for any of us, you know, considering the broader picture of the damage to the entire world. But come on, you, you mean you can't tell me that you haven't been thinking that, you know, of all the years for this to happen, it's the one where the Nets are finally poised to go on a long run?
2: <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> think of Yeah, what yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I, um...
1: Going into the summer.
2: <laughs> right, no. Uh... Trust me, I, I, we all think about it on a, on a regular basis. It's important to keep the big picture in mind for sure. Um, But obviously on a personal level, when you're used to being on the road um, when you're used to uh, being in close quarters with these guys, and it helps from a storytelling standpoint um, when you're able to see these guys on a regular basis, up close and personal. So um, obviously, there's a, there's a there's a big picture point of view and a lot going on in the world and and people are still suffering as a result of this. Um, everybody's been affected in their own way, as far as their families are concerned and, and loved ones lost and things like that. So, certainly keeping the big picture in view. Um, uh, but to answer your question on a on a professional level, it, it absolutely has an impact uh, on on things and uh, and how. Um, close, you're able to get to these guys to be able to help tell their story. It's very different being in the locker room versus now being on a Zoom call. That really, that really goes without saying. So, uh, so yeah, no, it's been a, it's been a different year. Not being on the road, not being able to be in the locker room or down on the floor or anything like that. Um, I, I feel like the Yes uh, uh, Crew. I know the Yes Crew is the best in the business, and so to be able to do the job that we're doing despite these restrictions really is a testament uh, top to bottom of the, uh, of the crew that we really have in place. So, um, uh, but with that said, we can't wait for things to get back to normal.
1: Yeah. I forgot to ask, uh, you know, did any, were any of the play, I forgot to check, I should say, any of the play by play games you did Nets road games where there was an empty arena? Cause I have to imagine that yeah. that adds a layer of difficulty not just for that you can't see what's going on on the court, you're stuck to a monitor, but, you know, manufacturing yeah. different levels of excitement?
2: True, you know, true, um, I, I, but to, to me, and if given my love for the game, it certainly is a different dynamic with it being an empty arena. But, you know, how many times have, have, have we been in a bar and you're a, a basketball fan and you're watching your team on television, or you're you may be at home by yourself and you're watching your team on television, and you're yelling at the screen if there a bad there's a bad call. You, you know, you're jumping up if there's a big time play. I'm raising um, my hand right now. So. Yeah, you know, there's, you know, you have enthusiasm even though you're away from the action. I mean, that's the experience of of most people um, who aren't in the arena, and the, and the enthusiasm, the energy, excitement is still there um, because you love the game. You're invested in the players that are out there and the franchise. And um, that's the way that's the way that I feel. So uh, so, yeah, it's, you know, on, on the surface, it's incredibly awkward, you know, shouting in an empty Barkley Center. <laughs> but, you know, uh, when I'm you know doing the game, coos is right there and she has this intense love, passion, you know, for the game. And, and I, I share that enthusiasm, you know, when when I there, when Ryan's there, we all have this shared enthusiasm for the game and appreciation for this franchise. And you just glued to the monitor, <laughs> and you're just, you know, and and, and you're just uh, and you know that you also have this responsibility to bring this energy for the people who are watching at home, who are also invested as fans. And so for me, that's the easy that's the easy transaction, given the love for the game.
1: Yeah, I don't mind. I don't understand how people in the old days used to do it from ticker, you know, <laughs> you know <from>
2: ticker. <laughs> Right. Oh, that's, yeah, that's way back, right? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm talking to Michael Grady of the Net, of the S yes Network. And, Michael, you know, there have been so many crazy stories this season. You know, KD and Kyrie returning, the James Harden trade, the injuries, the COVID protocols, the buyouts, and then the sudden LaMarcus Aldridge retirement. But, you know, as we head into these final 10 days of the regular season, you know, was there a story that you may have felt went underreported? Because, you know, all the big news constantly dropping and, you know, was there something you may have wanted to dig deeper into if not for the restricted access?
2: Uh, yeah, that's really hard to say. I, I uh, th- there have been so many highs and lows, as you mentioned, this season. And um, I, I, I wouldn't say that there's something that I wish, we, you know, that I could have gotten into more um, it's just the the thing that stands out to me is just how unfortunate the inju- injuries are um, and then a, so I look at it twofold on one hand I'm disappointed about the injuries because you know this will be one of the most electric offensive teams to ever play and they already are even though we've only seen the big three together for six and a half games or so and it's been a fantastic watch even without them being at full strength. And so from an injury standpoint, you're somewhat disappointed because you would love to see a larger sample size during the regular season of James, Kyrie, and Kevin. At the same time, what we've tried to do a decent job of that I think from a national perspective or an outsider perspective isn't talked about enough. There's so much hype about the big three that the fact that there may be two out of three for a, a long stretch or one out of the three for a long stretch people are losing sight of just how special this team has been, even though they haven't been at full strength. And the job that so many other uh, key guys on the roster have done in keeping this thing afloat, whether it's Joe Harris, Jeff Green, Bruce Brown, Nick Claxton, long stretches, Landry shamet after a slow start, uh, a number of guys have, have stepped up and been big time contributors, whether there was one of the big three available or two of the big three available. And so if again, heading into the season, it was, Kevin, you know, and Kyrie and then a bunch of solid role players and the enthusiasm is through the roof. When you add James and then James gets hurt, uh, all of a sudden it's, eh, you know, eh. but wait, wait a minute. These are still two of the most spectacular players ever played and they're still winning. So I know they're in a losing streak um, right now, but for to be in the position that they've, they're in, the buy in that they've had um this season and the commitment that they've had to each other I think is really special they definitely have to take it up up another notch uh given this tough stretch to close the regular season as they get ready for the playoffs they certainly have to do that I think they're going to learn a lot from these from the uh the games that we saw against Milwaukee but um but they've put together a really special season and I think sometimes um people from the outside looking in lose sight of that simply because they just want to see the big three together
1: Uh, Well, I thought your answer was going to be my next question. And it's, you know, keeping your reporter hat on. Do you have any insight (laughs) into how close Spencer Dinwiddie really is in resuming basketball activities? He keeps posting his workouts on social media like he's close. And then Steve Nash dumps a bunch of cold water on that idea. So I just thought I'd ask (laughs) you, you know, because, you know, you've been you're pretty close to some of these guys. You know, have you been in contact with Spencer about this?
2: Yeah, no, you know, I've been following it following, you know, his workouts just like everybody else. But one thing that I felt going in um that I still feel to this day and I think, you know, Steve will be confronted, I think the franchise will be confronted with the decision because from Spencer's standpoint this is why you this is why you took the pay cut. You know, this is the situation that you wanted to be in. You wanted to be a part of a championship winning Situation, and so uh, so yeah, he's been away all this time. But he's been away all this time, getting his body right, getting his mind right, getting physically right, so he can so he can have a shot to step back out there on the floor, and 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 complete you know the journey to a certain extent in terms of winning a championship. So this was something that that was on his mind um, when he took a a team friendly uh, contract. So. Um, I hadn't talked to him, but just, you know, knowing Spencer and and the conversations that I've, you know, had with him, you know, he, he clearly wanted to be in this situation and have an opportunity to win a title. And so given his contract situation and, and where the sides, you know, decide to go, um, Spencer could be elsewhere and it may not be a championship situation. So, you know, NBA careers go like that. And, um, this may be his best opportunity. Also, so uh, and on top of that.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, was I was, I uh, was, sorry, I was going to say he's also the ultimate bet on himself guy, whether it's the Bitcoin contract or, you know, and yeah. he, this is, you know, he's going to want to show that, you know, he can perform at the highest levels, you know, of postseason play. You know, that will that will right. bring him, you know, greater fortunes, wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah, yeah. And you know, and I, I um yeah, so I, I I it's um I I think it goes beyond banking on yourself for, for financial rewards. I, I think winning a championship and being a part of this situation um on a on a personal level would mean a lot to him and mean a lot to anybody. Um And yeah, the bankability of it and, and the profitability of it, you know, to heal the way that that he hopes uh, he is and how, how what he's done so far, because he is a a fast healer. I mean, he's he's freakish in that way. Um, so with it being a partial tear, put him in a really good position. Um, but it, it's it, to, to Steve's point, it's still asking a lot um, when you're talking about game action, game rhythm. Blending in with your teammates, both on and off the court after being away for such a long period of time. So in his eyes, it's an uphill climb. But for Spencer, um, you know, and Steve ended with never saying never. You know what I mean? We'll see what happens. But Spencer, I'm sure, is doing everything within his power um, to force a decision, you know, on the nets, um, which uh, which which is which is a good problem to have. You know what I mean? In terms of facing a decision like that. You know, um, if Spencer is 100 percent and cleared, okay. you know, do we want to have him a part of this journey? What do we what do we want to do? You know, so we'll see. We'll see how this whole thing plays out. But I think it's far from over. And I don't think there's any negativity attached to it. I, I, I understand a player wanting to put himself in a position to go out there and contribute to a championship situation.
1: All right, Michael Grady, I got one last one before I let you go. You know, Nets fans, you mentioned, are a little down this week, you know, because of the three straight losses. So where's your head at? You know, what's your position? Oh, sorry. What's your prediction as to how far you think this team will go this year?
2: I I think the one, if they're healthy, I, I think they're beating everybody. The, the thing is, if they're healthy, um, you have... Uh, unbelievable score in. And I'm going to stop right there for a moment because if I say that about virtually any other team, you know who I'm talking about. But if I stop with the Nets and I say, and I'm talking about the Nets and I say they have an unbelievable score in, (laughs) there's three guys that I can be talking about. So if healthy, I don't think anybody can beat them whether the Nets have home court advantage or not. I think the Nets will uh could will could potentially very well I think the odds are they may end up in third, depending on how they respond to this three game losing streak. The schedule is very difficult. Um Dallas could you know already beat the Nets once this season. They can give the Nets all they can handle um in in this next game. Then you got Denver, which will be a very difficult game there. Um and so the schedule gets a little bit easier after that, but These two games are huge because the Bucks schedule the rest of the way is easy and they're just a game and a half back and they own the tiebreaker. So there's a very good chance the Nets could end up with the third seed. Even if they end up with the third seed, if healthy, if healthy, I don't think anybody is beating this Nets team. Three unbelievable scores and a guy in James Harden who makes everybody better around him. And so I don't know how long it's going to take for James to get up to speed. You know, there could be some sloppy play when he comes back, some turnovers as he gets reacclimated to everything. But once he finds his rhythm, which could be, which may not be until round two, uh, um, once he finds his rhythm, uh, they're going to be very, very tough to beat with James bringing the ball up the court, leading the offense. You have two score, two other uh, amazing scores and Kevin, and Kyrie, who are going to be um, running the wings with him. And then some, you know, utility guys, some dirty work guys, DeAndre, Jeff Green, Joe Harris. I mean, Bruce Brown, Claxton, the list goes on. So they're going to have to elevate their level of intensity. And um, they've been talking about the playoffs since the start of the regular season. So I know that they're ready for that moment. It's a veteran group. Um, but these are, that. I mean, that big three is special. Kevin is... Kevin is otherworldly with the way that he plays and his ease in scoring. Kyrie Irving, of course, we keep saying a magician with the basketball. And James, the way that he can score for himself, draw attention, and get others involved in his precision passing and the way he helps ball movement out there on the floor just makes them really, really unguardable. Will they have issues with defending? Will they have issues with physicality? Yes, um, but if healthy, if healthy, I'll, I'll keep saying – um, I don't believe anybody can beat them.
1: I agree. I just that one. I did not know that type stat for you, uh, James Harden. You just talked all about his offense. Did you know that the player on the Nets, the among their rotation, the regular rotation players, I'm not talking about guys like Noah Vonley was here for a cup of coffee. The player who who the, on the court, the team has its the highest defensive rebounding percentage is James Harden. The team rebounds more. A greater percentage of opponents misses when Harden is on the court than any other Nets player.
2: Wow, wow that's impressive. That's impressive. That's impressive. to, that's, that's,
1: up, that's, <laughs> to Highlighted
2: another way he affects the game. I like that. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> had to come up, with an
1: I did not know that for you because
2: I like the appropriate, appropriate. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Michael Grady of the S yes Network. I like hey, it. I, I can't thank you enough for doing this with me. We're all really proud of you, folks. You know, be sure to check out appreciate you on the Nets app, on the excuse me Yes app. Uh, hope to see you next week at Barclays Center when they come back. Thank you, Mike.
2: Yes. Looking forward to it. Thanks a lot, Steve. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you again, Michael Grady of the Yes Network. I've said this a ton before, but the Nets really do have the best people working their broadcasts, not just the best announcers. Go down the line, TV or radio. And you just can't find nicer or more helpful people anywhere else. Anyway, you know, speaking of nice stories, that's had two of them this past week. First, you know, there was the aforementioned Alizé Johnson twenty point twenty rebound performance. Crazy, yeah. I mean, he got some in garbage time, and Indy was all banged up. But man, you know, this guy really gets after it. The twentieth rebound. I mean, he really chased that ball down into the corner. And I happened to catch up with Alizé after the game and ask him about that, and here's the clip. Hi, Alizé. Uh, you run hard. You run, you run down every rebound as hard as you can, but I was curious, that last 20th one that you chased into the corner, did you know that was number 20, your teammates
0: knew, because it was in your sideline? Yeah, for the most part, you know, they were telling me to get it, and, uh, you know, I had to work for that last one there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they were kind of informing me uh, that I was getting close. Uh, so luckily I got that one.
1: Again, that was Alizé Johnson. And I'm telling you, folks, if he ever develops a three-point shot, he's going to get paid. And another net will be getting paid a little bit more is Mike James. This on Monday, the Nets signed him to a second 10-day contract and you've got to believe they'll be looking to convert that to a standard contract when it runs out before the playoffs. I mean, look, you don't want him on the court in these big games, but you know he's given the team some good minutes in a couple of them. After one such strong outing last week, I asked Nash about him, and here's the clip. Hi, Steve. Uh, Mike James did a lot of things well the other night in the fourth quarter. When you went back to look at the video, was there anything that – that really stood out to you? Maybe something that because you, you didn't know him, you weren't aware that you could rely on him for that?
0: No, I think we knew the, the the level of skill he has in athleticism. You know, he's a he's a he's a quick athletic, strong, small guard who can get in the gaps and can can score. So you know, I think him finding his feet quickly has been uh mild or pleasant surprise you know that's not always easy but uh we definitely try to encourage him and and give him the confidence to play with freedom and enjoy himself we we don't want him out there overthinking or feeling nerves you know you join a group that's you know uh, at or near the top of the east and with some superstar talent and you've been out of league for a few years you know that can be a little bit daunting so I really wanted to make sure that he didn't carry any undue nerves and that he just had a free swing at it and so it was great to feel like he's growing into a role here and Definitely gives us a little bit different dynamic off the bench with his ability to get in the gaps.
1: So, yeah, I mean, when James concentrates on setting up the offense, playing with pace, and you know, he has some useful skills. Sometimes, though, you know, that irrational exuberance, you know, things get kind of ugly. But again, you know, it shouldn't matter. Because if the Nets have to play guys like Alize Johnson or Mike James in big playoff games because of injuries or something else, they ain't winning. Nash should have a fixed nine man rotation at his disposal. Includes you know the big three, Harris, Griffin, Green, Landry Shamut, Nick Claxton, and you know, one of the DJ Bruce Brown or Tyler Johnson types, depending on the matchup. I mean, you're going to need DJ against some of the bulkier bigs. Less so if they have to play teams that spread you out. And I don't want to see green at the five at the end of games either. You go with Griffin if you need spacing or Claxton for defensive priorities. That's it. To me, though, that's a championship rotation. I'm telling you, the seating won't matter if they're healthy. I'm not afraid of Milwaukee. Just get to them in one piece. And folks... I've now said my piece on this podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Again, a very big thanks to Michael Grady of the Yes Network. Did a great job, as you would expect. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, you know, I'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe to this podcast on Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you're downloading these episodes. Also, please feel free to post some nice comments on Apple Podcasts if you get a chance. So until next time, I'm Steve Lichtenstein of WFN.com saying thank you for listening to the City Game Podcast.